Have you ever had an argument with someone and you clearly know that you aren't on the same page? Ever a thing for you? Not so much? All right, let's, let's see here. So for any of you lobster fishermen, like you don't work alone, right? You ever like get into a row with someone aboard the boat? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> or maybe wherever your workplace is, like you have a disagreement. You're not on the same page. I gotta move the stool again because last service I was like kept bumping into it. Or maybe it's like a family dynamic. Like my two oldest brothers who I love to pieces. Ever since I was a little kid, and still to this day, if one says black, the other says white. <laughs> like, it's just like cat and dog. I can't get on the same page. Or, like, it has, for those of you that are married or, you know, are in a relationship with someone, you ever, like, not be on the same page with your spouse or your partner? Man, a little nervous and quiet in here. Maybe you came in tonight not being on the same page. You were wanting to hit the drive-thru on the way, and you're like, no, we don't get time for that. There's coffee at the church, but I like my Timmy's. So today marks 10 years. 10 years ago, I called up my wife's parents, who come from a very different background than mine, let's just say that. And um, they're very conservative, like, the first question that the mother asked as soon as I got her on the phone was, it wasn't like anything, it was like, do you have any tattoos? <laughs> like, no, like, oh, where are you from? What's your deal? He's like, do you have any tattoos? The very first question out of the hop, I'm like, whew. And for the record, I don't. <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't. But I asked if I could have permission to date my now wife, Carolina. And so it marks 10 years today is when I asked her to, uh, to be my girlfriend. And over the last 10 years, we've had some disagreements. We've had times when we've not been on the same page. A lot, actually. And we've had those moments where we lay in bed together and we, there's tension between us. And I said something I shouldn't have said or did something I shouldn't have done or she said something she shouldn't have said. Or she did something that she shouldn't have done. And before you know it, we're at odds with each other. And we have to humble ourselves and say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said this or shouldn't have did this. And we kind of hash it out because the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Right? Right? Yep. Okay, just checking. <laughs> don't fall asleep on me. We got a lot of ground to cover here tonight, right? And then we, you know, talk it out, apologize, get on the same page. And then I'll often ask the question, are we good? Are we good? And I'm not saying that question to talk about if I'm a good person. I'm talking about the state of the relationship. Like, is the relationship okay? And kind of after we talk about it, we're like, yeah, we're on the same page, and, and we're good. The relationship's okay. Now, have you ever been guilty of being in an argument 
and you list all the good things that you've done. Ever do that before? Bet you some of y'all did it in your head. This person, your spouses, or your person getting, getting mad at you, and you're getting frustrated. You're like, but I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and why don't they see it? Or you're like, in your head, you're like, listen, I cook. I clean. I put food on this table. I do all this stuff. I pay the bills. I do all this good stuff. How's that worked out for you, though? Not so great by the sound of you. It doesn't. And here's what I'm convinced of. I think we do this with God. I think we make a list of all the good things we think we've done. And then we ask God, I've done this, 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 and this. I'm a good person. We're good, right? And God's like, no, we're actually not good. And we're like, oof. Okay. So what do I do? I mentioned last week that oftentimes I like, it is my one passion in life to tell people about Jesus. Like I want every single person that doesn't know Christ to know him and experience him. And whether it's in the dressing room, playing hockey, or whether it's connecting with someone, maybe someone here at the church, often I'll have conversations with people, and as I talk to them about God and about Jesus, sometimes the conversation will come up and they'll say, well, I'm a good person. And when they say that to a pastor or a Christian, oftentimes it's their attempt to self-justify. I'm a good person, therefore, God and I are good. And they almost ask it, they almost say it to me with a question. Sheepishly say, I'm a good person. It's almost like they're asking me the question, because I'm a good person, I'm a good with God, right? And while I don't like offending people and bursting people's bubbles, the truth is, being a good person does not equal being good with God. I'm just going to let that one linger for a sec. And hit it again, maybe. Being a good person does not equal being good with God. And our culture thinks that that's the case. But Romans clearly tells us that that is not the case. And as a matter of fact, Paul spends from Romans chapter 1, verse 17, all the way to chapter 3, verse 20, to convince people who thought they were good that they weren't good. If you read Romans chapter 3, the amount of times Paul uses the word no one, no one is righteous, no one, it's like, it's a whole bunch of times. Paul is painstakingly trying to convince a religious people who thought they were good with God to help them to realize that they weren't good with God. And no amount of good behavior or good works was going to get them good with God. It's actually one of the main reasons why Paul wrote the book of Romans. Here's the problem. Many people who have yet to receive Christ think they are good with God. Many, many people. And it's the worst thing, 
It's actually worse than knowing you're not good with God. If you know you're not good with God, you know you have a problem. But if you're convinced that you and God are good, it's worse than knowing you're not good with God. Let me explain that. I used to love doing prison ministry. And we used to travel into Dorchester and Spring Hill Prison. And we used to tell people about Jesus. And people actually came to faith in Christ actually quite easily. You wouldn't think it, but they do. And you want to know why? Is they don't need to be convinced that they're not good with God. A court of law has proved that they are guilty. They don't need to be convinced that they're not good with God. They don't need to be convinced that they have this sin problem or they've not followed God's law. They're like, they come into prison, you share, you, you talk to them about Jesus, and they're like, yep, I know I'm a sinner. You tell them about Jesus, and they're like, that sounds great. Pardon? Are you serious? Total pardon? Total forgiveness? Forgiveness for everything I've ever done wrong? It doesn't seem fair, but that sounds great. Sign me up. See, it's easy to share good news with someone that already knows the bad news. The problem in our culture and our community here today is we don't know we've got a sin problem. We, don't, we think, we're good, right, God? I do all these good things, and I give to these causes, and I do all these good things with my family. Like, that makes me good with you, right? And Paul's like, nope. It doesn't. And one of the things that's really hard in our community specifically is God has blessed our community. Like, there's families that are so blessed beyond measure here. But don't equate God's blessing of wealth and resources and blessing your family, don't equate that with being right with God. I think one of the biggest deceptions can happen in our community is you can have all the blessings and have the ability to go on trips down south and do all the things, which there's nothing wrong with that. Hear me out. But when you equate the blessing of God for being right with God, you can be deceived. Because people will end up the rest of their life and they've even maybe given to causes and done good things with their life, but they think they, they based their justification being right with God on their good works and on faith in Jesus. And here's the bubble burster. You cannot be right with God no matter how much good you do. You can't. It doesn't work that way. And that's what Paul spends so much time talking to these Jewish people who are trying to obey all these commandments to be good. He was spending so much time trying to convince them, no, no one is righteous, not one. None of y'all are righteous, none. That's what Paul was trying to say, and he beat it over and over and over again. Earthly blessings does not equal good with God. The scripture makes it really, really clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. It says, therefore, no one. Can y'all say no one? No one. No one. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, the law we be, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So, in other words, none of us are good with God based on good works, following the law. And it's actually the law that actually convinces us that we're not good with God. It's when we hear the law, we realize, man... I'm conscious. I've done things that aren't right. I've actually broken God's law, and when you break God's law, you break this relationship. Now, maybe you're not convinced that you've broken God's law. Well, God gave us the law in the form of the Ten Commandments, 
And some of the commandments we know and we teach to our kids, like, do not lie. Do not steal. Do not murder. And you're maybe here tonight, like, well, I haven't murdered anyone. And maybe I only stole, like, candy from, like, when it was, like, you get penny candy. Remember that was a thing back in the day? Maybe, maybe you, like, were pull, I, the store that uh, town Rob and I grew up in, it was Joe Taylor's store, and they used to sell penny candy. You get them for a penny. It was awesome. But the odd time, they gave you your own bag, and so you could fill it. And so the odd time, you might only pay for 10 candy, but you popped that 11 month in. You couldn't resist those fuzzy peaches, right? <laughs> and so you paid for the transaction, but you didn't tell them. that You, won't, you told them 10. There was actually 11. Right? How many of y'all, by a show of hands in this place tonight, how many of y'all have ever told a lie? The rest of you are lying. We've all lied. And so, because we've all lied, what does that mean? We've all broken God's law, haven't we? And what predicament does that put us in? Not right with God. Exactly. And what's the problem with not being right with God? We can't go to heaven. But not only that, the thing with not being right with God is each and every one of us in this room were created by design to be in relationship with God. We need God like the air that we breathe and we don't even realize it. And the reason so many of us have so many consequences in our life, we don't have peace, we don't have purpose, we don't have direction, we don't have wisdom, we don't have order, we don't have all these things in our life is because we don't have a right relationship with God. And God wants to give all those things to us. It's the way he designed us to operate and function. But we have broken this relationship, and we've cut off access to our very oxygen. The thing we need inside of us to actually live, we've cut that relationship off. And then we think that our good works will add up to make this good. We know that this isn't good, and so we put our list of good things. I do this, and I do this, and I do this. We're good, right? And God's like, no, you're not right. And nothing you can do that's good is going to get this right. So I'm going to do something on your behalf to make it right. I'm going to send my son Jesus. And he's going to come. And he's going to be the perfect sacrifice. He is going to deal with this sin problem that each and every one of us have. You see, every single one of us in this room is born with this disease called sin. We all have this bent, this leaning towards not listening to God, and that's simply what sin is. Sin is simply just us not listening to God, and the Bible teaches us, and we've all agreed here tonight, that all of us, at one time or another, have not listened to God, and therefore, this relationship is broken, and there's nothing we can do to fix it. And so God gave his son, who was the perfect high priest to pray and plead on our behalf to offer the sacrifice and the perfect spotless lamb that was perfect and without blemish. Jesus is and was perfection. And on the cross, 
Jesus was that perfect spotless lamb that takes away the sins of the world. He suffered and was a sacrifice for you and for me. And on that cross, Jesus took my sin and your sin, and he hung there bleeding, holding you and I in our heart, knowing that one day every one of us would fall apart. See, all of us like sheep have gone astray. All of us have turned to our own way. But the Bible teaches us that God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And as Jesus hung on that cross, suffering on your behalf, the debt that we owed was canceled. The Bible teaches us in Colossians chapter 2 that he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. You see, none of us can get right with God with our own works. Because the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. But the good news is, is that all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Apart from Jesus, none of us can be good with God. But through Jesus, every single person in this room can be good with God. And here's what I think we do. We assume that we're good with God. And I want to tell you here tonight, if you assume you're good with God, you're probably wrong. Because you don't have to assume. So if you're assuming that you're good with God, your relationship with him is good, you're probably wrong. Because if you're good with God, you probably know it in the deepest part of your spirit. And the Bible actually teaches us that when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and gives testimony to the fact that you're born again, that you're a Christian, that you've been forgiven, that you've been pardoned by God. You know, I love the old hymn that says, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. And that song, great is thy faithfulness, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. The moment, and I love this, guys, I love this. It sounds too good to be true. Do you know that the moment you invite Christ to come into your life and believe in Jesus and receive him into your life, do you know that every sin you've ever committed, the moment you receive Christ, is gone? Do you know that? It's literally all gone the moment you accept Christ. You're 100% pardoned for everything. No matter what you've done, God justifies you. And being justified just means you stand in God's presence just as if I'd never sinned. You see, we're not righteous based on what we do. We're, we're righteous based on what he did on our behalf. And because Jesus took our sin and canceled the debt against us, we now stand before God holy and blameless in his sight, and we have access to God. Because of Jesus, this relationship is restored. Imagine if someone came up to you and, you know, some of us maybe still have debt from Christmas shopping or we've got a mortgage or something like that. Imagine if someone came up to you and says, you know what? It's been paid in full. It's been totally canceled. It's been totally taken care of. Would you be pretty happy? I know if someone came and paid my mortgage, I'd be jumping through the roof right now. Straight up, bro. 
Let's be real. But for some reason, we don't translate that into spiritual things. Like, my mortgage is temporal. One day, my house isn't going to be here. Have, like, things are going to be, like, the heaven and earth might pass away, but, you know, the Lord will be forever. This is eternity we're talking about. But some reason, we're so temporal, we don't realize we're talking about eternity. And Jesus literally canceled the charges against us that hindered us from entering into eternal life. Yeah. And so the moment we receive Christ, we're forgiven, we're given right standing with God. God says, if you believe my son, we'll be good. I've done it on your behalf. You just need to ask me for forgiveness and receive this gift and we can be right and you can have peace with me and I can give you everything that you need now. I can give you direction and blessing and favor and grace and truth and life and peace and all the things that I design you to have if you'll believe in me, if you'll receive me into your heart. So it's time for us to stop pretending that we're a good person or pretending that we're good with God. God would call you today and say, do you believe in Jesus? That's what it's going to come down to when we stand before God. And God is going to say, what did you do with my son? You know, we only have so many opportunities in this life. God is pursuing each and every one of you here tonight. He wants to be in relationship with you, but he's not going to force his hand on you. You know, I was telling Rob tonight, I was so fired up to preach tonight because I love telling people about the hope that's found in Jesus. It's my favorite thing to do. And I wish there was a way I could make it so that everyone who doesn't believe in Jesus could just come and receive this amazing gift of forgiveness and have peace with God. But I can't do that because it's your choice. You have to believe in Jesus Christ and receive him into your life. So my question for you tonight is, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he died for your sins? Do you believe that he took the debt? Do you believe he broke sin's power over your life? Do you believe that he rose again from the dead and he conquered sin and death? Do you believe that he made a way for you to be forgiven for everything? That the slate can be totally wiped clean and you can have peace with God? Do you believe that tonight? It's my deepest desire that you come to that decision. And that that decision would not just lead for you to be forgiven for your sin, but it would lead you to a transformed life. So, are you good with God tonight? Because if you're not, I have such good news for you. You really can be. If you'll believe. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for the ministry of your spirit in this place. And I just pray, Father, tonight that if there's people here tonight that don't know you, that they would make that decision that you would stir by your spirit and you draw people into a relationship with you. Father, 
I've got no words, God. I can't force people to make that decision for you. But Jesus, you have this ability to work on our hearts and to draw us in that relationship. So Father, would you do that in this place? With everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you've yet to make that decision to receive Christ into your life, and you want to make that decision tonight, I'm going to invite our prayer people to come on up front. And I want to invite you to slip out from your seat right now. And one of the people up front here would love to help you make those steps of receiving Christ into your life. So if you're here tonight and you want to make the decision to accept Christ into your life, I just encourage you, slip out from your seat where you're at right now and just come on up front. We'd love to have prayer with you here tonight. Father, we just thank you and we celebrate here in this place tonight that God, you do make us right with you. And you've done it all through your, through your son, whom we love deeply. That you love us so much, you would offer your son to be the sacrifice for our sins. God, we are grateful for that tonight. We celebrate the good news of Jesus. And we pray, God, that you would help us to, help us to walk in that peace, to walk in this relationship, to experience the freedom that only you give. God, help us to not lift up our good works to you. Help us to throw those aside and put all of our faith and all in trust in you and you alone. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, let's stand to our feet.